the Garden Hose Australia podcast, where we talk all things gardening. Your hosts, Jamie and Erin, will wander down the garden path with tea or gin in hand and discuss gardening loves, hates, new discoveries, interview some of our garden heroes, visit inspiring gardens and continue a discussion about plants that started over 30 years ago in primary school. Welcome to episode two of the Garden Hose podcast. Uh, this episode was actually recorded just before Christmas uh, 2022, so we've been a bit tidy getting this one out, but so now we're just going to inundate you with <laughs> all of our podcasts we've done since then. This one, you notice, we just launched straight into the chat. It's not quite as long as our, you know, mammoth introductory um, first episode that we did, so we'll, we'll, we're trying to keep them a nice length so that you don't have to take your gardening gloves off to uh, keep changing episodes, but, you know, not crazy long that you know you're going to be you need a marathon amount of time so i hope you enjoy this one um we were on instagram um you can find us there you can send us an email um and or you can just send us a message if there's anything in particular you want us to chat about or you have questions for us um otherwise we're going to get into it <laughs> yeah i'd say um I, in two ways, one, I'm relieved mm. that we've had a, a break from the crazy rain mm. because spring did not go at all how I thought it was going to go in the garden this year. Yes. <laughs> I, I had a lot of plans <laughs> this spring. I, right now I was going to be like, you know, the goddess Demeter full of bounty and fill in my basket of everything. I've got a lot of mud. Mm. <laughs> A lot of mud, but uh, so anyway, it's been lo- very lovely having a uh, hiatus in the rain. Uh, still very windy here. I live in a very windy part of the world, which I did not really research before I moved here. <laughs> so uh, yeah, very windy. But anyway, just starting now. There was a whole lot of uh, cool crops that I planted in autumn uh, with the hope that they would survive winter, and I was uh, slightly terrified of doing that. But it's been a good thing. Like now I have 250 you know, Canterbury Bells. I've got another 250 Matricaria going. Uh, I've got Status going. I've got all these sorts of things coming up. Sorinthe, which I've never grown before. Awesome. What, sorry? Sorinthe? I don't know. We need our Latinists to come and tell oh. us if that's uh, the correct <laughs> pronunciation. But I don't even know if it's Latin really. But, um, yeah, so, you know, C-E-R-I-N-T-H-E. Oh, have you grown dyslexic. that? No. It's very pretty. I saw it in someone else's garden and thought that would be a cut flower. It's sort of this grey-green sort of foliage and it has yeah. this really pretty, almost like those shrimp plants, the flower structure, sort of purpley blue. Ah, uh, yes, I know the one. Mm, yes, it's really fabulous. Pretty. Yeah, yes. well, self-seeds its bottom off too, which, oh, uh, which is a good thing. Mm. So anyway, so that's been good. So I'm starting to see some of that. 
I just feel like maybe February I will be the goddess of the harvest and maybe not December. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's how my garden's going at the moment. What about yours? Mine's, I've, I've got a few uh, new things that I've never grown before, which I'm excited about. So I've had my first ever ranunculus seedlings uh, flower. I may have spammed you with some photos. At yeah, ranunculus or dahlias? Ranunculus and oh, dahlias. ranunculus. Hang on, yeah, you've got ranunculus now. Oh no, these were the ones you had. Yeah, just they're, yeah. Just, they're finished. I've, I've pulled most of them out, um, but the ones that I—it's it's interesting. The ones that I like the most set seed um, and still a bit green. So I've I've pulled out and labelled all my corms, but um, the ones that have got good seed heads on them—they're just still drying out because it's been so cold and wet um nice. yeah so they're they're still in the ground um I'll pull those out in the next couple of weeks and then just today uh my first ever dahlia seedling is um I did very... see that picture of mm. that and that's one of those very pretty ones that we've been talking about recently yeah I'm, I'm pretty stoked it's very similar to its its parent plant that the seed came off but mm. I'm really okay with that because it's one of my favorites what, what do you know what it's called? No, I don't. It was gifted to me, <laughs> you know. Oh, we can just call it what we like. We can, uh, well, the seedling we can, can't we? Yeah, yeah. um, bred by Jamie, garden who's best. <laughs> hey, <laughs> talking about merch, summer of the hose, <laughs> summer hose, summer hose. <laughs> Sorry. Look um, out for it, people. <laughs> That's going to catch on. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, Dahlia Society of Australia, move over. Oh, I know. They'll be, they'll be calling us up for some inspo, I think, about, oh, you ladies, you're very good at naming the new varieties. <laughs> Guest speaker gig. <laughs> oh, it reminds me of there's some, the, um, <laughs> the Rhododendron Society. They were great at naming new varieties. <laughs> there was there was one with them. Um, I remember from years ago at work. I'm trying not to laugh so that I can actually speak. Um, it was white with a, a red burgundy splash through the middle, and it was called Bleeding Virgin. And oh I'm my like, god! I think so. <laughs> that sounds very Catholic. <laughs> Who named it? But I thought that it was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I just think maybe it wasn't their marketing department who made input into that. <laughs> I think they have a marketing department, which is why they need us. We could mm. come up with something. Clearly, <laughs> I sometimes wonder. I have seen. I haven't actually seen the plant, but um, I've seen Rose of Sharon. Mm-hmm. Her name, and I, I do wonder who named that. <laughs> I, I mean, perhaps Sharon's husband, but <laughs> I would suggest. I would suggest it was Sharon's husband, and I would suggest that Sharon's husband is a very sensible and wise man. (laughs) (laughs) Every dining out on that for a long time, but yeah, don't know about that. (laughs) I did. I did make some fabulous faux pas on on naming plants one day, and I'm going to go light on the detail here, just in case (laughs) anyone ever listens to our podcast. (laughs) I worked. At a place. Ah, they, right, yes, no no names. Okay. No names. <laughs> I worked at a nursery. They had some propagating, some plants, and um, I was criticising the names as the plants came through because they come through with labels. I'd be repeating the names and going, who on earth would 
all look like this. And they're like, yeah, um, people I was working with are like, you, you might want to tone that down. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's named after the boss's wife and that one's oh named after the, oh, the boss's <laughs> mum um, and the boss's sister. So you might just want to tone that down. I'm like, right, I hear you loud and clear. Great names, great names for plants. <laughs> Sharon, great choice. Rose of Sharon, top choice. Sharon, we have no idea who Mr. Sharon is. <laughs> Mr. Sharon, uh, Mr. Mm. Sharon. But um, yeah, at this time of year, I am. I mean, I am happy with my. I must say, my Canterbury Bells at, at the moment. Very impressed with them. Haven't grown them since I was probably about fourteen. And these are not what I told you I was going to be growing. I told you I was going to be growing that cup and saucer variety. Yes. No. <laughs> and I'm not. looking. I want you to know I've been looking for your sources. When you've yeah. been posting photos, I've been there looking for sources. No sources. However, it's because this variety that I'm growing are the actual cut flower variety that uh, have much stronger, taller stems. Mm-hmm. And I've been very impressed with exactly how tall and exactly how strong. So that's been quite good. Although I did um, I did have an unfortunate discovery of the garden, but I'm looking out the window here at the bed that I'm growing them in. Um, this is obviously not a visual medium, so it's probably of no help whatsoever. But um, but I can picture you. You can picture looking me <laughs> looking out the window at that bed because they're not in my normal flower patch. They're at my, so we had, you know, these raised beds built behind the house for my kitchen garden and for vegetables. So it's very easy to access and it is terrific. But of course, the second bed I've just, filled with flowers while we were awaiting um, more uh, hospitable weather to plant vegetables in and have discovered that uh, this uh, someone else who uh, built that second bed for us and filled it, um, filled it with a lot of fill, not to the premium garden soil that we were uh, planning on. So it's a little bit disappointing. However, these are these Canterbury bells do not seem to care. So they have been other, I've had other crops in there that completely rotted. I had the great disaster of the stock plants, 280 stock plants in there, completely rotted. Terrible disaster. Was that with with the rain we've had in the last few months? Yeah. And I think what's happened here, drainage people. (laughs) Drainage. Think about drainage. Uh, So uh, we had this back area. It was all graded nicely. So it actually, all the water that came down drained off this gravel to a lovely little cut drain behind. And then I went and planted just, well, I built two big, dirty, huge, you know, three sleeper high beds and they're pretty big beds. So they're- I can vouch for that. Nearly the length of the house. Uh, And of course, the water's meant to go across there and now it just hits the side of the bed and says- (laughs) might just take up residence here for the winter <laughs> so uh yeah it all got sort of perched underneath full of water saturated uh although um spinach and lettuce grow pretty well in there pretty happy with the uh, wet feet and consistent water source and as it turns out canterbury bells so and, and so you say lettuce i hear no slugs and snails then yeah see this is my theory right i reckon when you create a new garden somewhere, you get one good season before they all find out about it and they tell their mates. They tell their mates. Yeah, that was my experience when we first moved here as well, is that all your eye was like, oh, it must be the raised garden beds, the raised garden beds. Like we don't get all those bugs. They're not coming in. It's terrific. 
yeah, hubris. The gods came in and just said, <laughs> really, <laughs> we gave you a one season doll. And, uh, yeah, then they all came in and found us and then I was trying to, can I net, you know, all that sort of thing to keep out white butterfly. So, yeah, I think this is my one good season. Unfortunately, oh. it coincided with the floods, but, you know. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, at least you haven't had bushfires yet, so that's good. <laughs> hey, 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 calm down. We've still got summer. <laughs> I know. But, but my theory is that, like, I mean, it's rained a lot um, and, and I find people complain about the rain. I tend not to because I remember trying to grow uh, plants in ground for like, bare root trees and uh, when we had that, oh, you know that 10-year drought that we mm. had? No one else remembers it. Um, <laughs> and so they curse the rain when it comes. I'm like, oh, gosh, I wish they'd shut up because if the rain goes, then I, I've not only got to water again, but I also have to listen to people complain about how dry it is. <laughs> that might kill me. Um, but, yeah, my philosophy is with the rain, like I understand it's wet and I do have the fortune, good fortune to live on the side of Mount Dandenong so it drains off a bit. Yeah. Um but if it's raining, it's not burning. This is true. And I'm, I'm, I'm well cool with that. Yeah, perspective, yeah. I guess. And, look, yeah. it has made us think because we had already, uh, you know, we put a bore in uh, and we've we've got big water storage. So uh, I think we oh, will. Mate, now, now you're just bragging. Now I'm just bragging. <laughs> I am. So, well, you know, when we get to the drought, mm. <laughs> we'll revisit this. And I'm going, i got a bore. Got a bore. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, because we've got that, we're like, okay, we're pretty much sorted there. So I guess this spring has been a time for us to say, okay, so when we do get a lot of water, where does it run? Mm. And now we know. And so we're, you know, putting, making some changes now. And the thing is when you, I think this is a good thing, when you grow a certain scale, and I'm by no means like a, you know, big commercial grower or anything, but it's not, I'm trying to, like I have a home garden around the house, but I'm trying to build up a garden where we will actually uh, grow things to sell. So it's a different proposition there. So now I'm looking at thinking, well, you know, and I've got this amount of time that's fixed, really. So what are we going to put in place? I'm all about making things, uh, automate stuff as much as we can, make it as easy as we can and set up the infrastructure. I'm all about investing in the infrastructure to make all that stuff easy. So um, so that's when I call the husband um, to get out there on his tractor. and dig some good um some you know good channels and we're putting in drainage and we're looking at you know where the water's going um the moment appears to be going to our neighbor's driveway so (laughs) fortunately no they're not home so they're living interstate at the moment and if they come back they can't get in (laughs) (laughs) i've got flowers for them you know (laughs) oh hi it's great to see you again here's a bunch of flowers. flowers I know you so, can't access your own property, but yeah. it's great to see you. Yeah, pop over the fence. So, yeah, well, uh, that, that's the next thing <laughs> that we'll get to. Uh, so, yeah, we're, at the moment we're doing, I was saying this to someone the other day when they were up and saying, oh, what are you doing here? What are you doing there? And I think it's it's kind of like when you build a house and there are some things that you seem to be spending a lot of time and money on and then you look at it and go, no one else can bloody see where I've spent all my time and money here. But it's getting all those foundational things right. And I think that that's largely what this year's for us. It's about doing all of those things. And then, you know, 
next summer I'll be, you know, I've such a pretty Instagram feed because clearly I'll be in a floral dress and just wandering through my flower fields at that point. Oh, good, good thinking. Just remember to, you know, lean to one side and brush your hands through the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I went to, <laughs> I went to a, um, it was a Tesla um event that they had on I think it was called Kabloom and I went with my sister and they had all the flowers roped off so look from the side admire and touch the edges but please don't walk through well <laughs> this is too much for the Instagramming public and people just stepped over the little rope <laughs> fence and it was so beautiful to see I'm here with my friend great let's take turns in you know in my big sun hat as I walk through the fields of flowers so I lean first to the left brushing my hand through the flowers and then to the right and then I check with my friend did you get that and then uh it wasn't me actually I was just watching this going on and then the the friends swap over so the other friend can have beautiful feed of brushing hands through fields of flowers Yes. I have threatened um, Tom that he's going to become an Insta husband for me, take beautiful photos of me. He seems to think that's what we have children for, so uh, they'll be <laughs> needs to learn photography. But we have that up here because I'm in the uh, picturesque Macedon Ranges. And over autumn, the amount of, because of all the, you know, the trees around Macedon and that sort of thing, there's, I think now they do the only sensible thing and block off some roads over the weekends but that was um people don't you drive down the street there's people just in the middle of the road just standing there you know oh looking up at the trees and taking photos you know of themselves up <laughs> looking at the trees amongst the trees checking the photos on the road and then going back take another photo from this angle and then they actually go into people's front yards <laughs> seem to believe that there's like no boundary there that this is all one open landscape for uh for my instagram feed and uh yeah so it's a i don't know are we just are we cranky gen x's yes <laughs> we, <are. laughs> we don't quite grasp all of that i mean i love a good instagram feed don't get me wrong i spend you know too much time scrolling through prettiness on instagram but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's can I, can I revisit your discussion of, of drainage? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things when, when I'm teaching um, horticulture, when we do the landscaping components, there's every single time we cover drainage, you must control where the water is going. If you don't, it's unpredictable. We, you know, the the whole thing of like if you, if you don't plan for where the water is going to move, it'll choose its own path. Mm. Um so you either control it or it's going to find its own way. And so whether you're building a retaining wall or you're paving, but any time you change the landscape by changing um, the surface of the earth or the angle of a path, then you've changed how water interacts with that environment. And um, I think that maybe that's fine until you get a statistically very wet spring like we've had. And then you go, oh, okay, maybe it didn't matter for 10 years, not that you've been there that long, but this year it matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. I've just actually put in a gravel path um, in the middle of the flower patch. Um, I just, no, I mean, not me on a wheelbarrow, but me on the tractor um, because I wouldn't be able to do it all on a wheelbarrow, but just because that it was the lowest point where all the water was sinking. I thought we're not growing anything there. That's that's gonna be a gravel path. And in there, I think then got thinking, I could 
build a little like tool shed in here, like open sided with a roof, so I don't have to keep going back to the to the actual shed to get stuff. So you know, not all bad. Not all bad. No, no we'll work um, it out. I see. You know, we're talking bugs before about you get one good season. Mm. I've had a I've had a little incident with some bugs. Ooh, what sort of got bugs? A, look, it's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> got a nasty fungus outbreak. Oh, in your indoor plants? Oh, not in my house, but in my work greenhouse. Oh. oh. Mm, mm. Is it right through the greenhouse? Oh, it's right through. <laughs> so how so, do you deal with that at scale like that? Yeah, great question. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> thanks for asking. Um <laughs> Well, so I like into it, a lot of it's about environmental things. I had a little stuff up with my watering system where it was too wet in the greenhouse, yeah. and the population exploded, and it's really hard to get on top of. And so I've just this year for the first time um, gone to um, a company called Bugs for Bugs, and they <gasps> I've heard of Bugs for Bugs. Yes, well, I've been doing business with them. Um, gosh, they send a nice little bit of bug through the post. Um, so how what this time bug? What bug eats a fungus gnat? Oh, a uh, oh, I don't even know how to pronounce it. A, a Delotia rove beetle. Oh, um, okay. so it's this tiny beetle. It's when it's mature, it's three to four millimeters long. Yeah. Um, and so you buy them in this. It's like a mini post pack tube, and they express post to them to you, and then you release them in your greenhouse. And um, so because I'm not at prevention, missed prevention, mm-hmm. I'm at infestation. It's a nasty place to be in your life. <laughs> Never it thought doesn't this sound happen. nasty. It sounds painful and itchy. <laughs> it does a little. <laughs> I tell you, when I'm in the greenhouse, sometimes it feels nasty and itchy. <laughs> I also bought, um, so I bought bugs off them like three weeks in a row to release into the greenhouse because the, the wonderful thing about them as well is that they work longer hours than I'm prepared to. Oh, perfect. And no penalty rates, no union. No penalty rates and they don't mm. bitch and moan. Oh, oh love gosh, that. they're a great beetle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I also bought 100 metres of yellow sticky trap tape ah, that's yeah, going right okay. through the middle of my greenhouse at the moment. And um, um, so that's a good bug story. But I've got I had, a, I had a nasty bug incident this afternoon. Um, I was I was living the life for a moment. I was at work and I was doing flower reconnaissance. I've got a, a big arrangement to do tomorrow for work for mm-hmm. staff Christmas lunch. Um, um, I'll just go check what roses I've got and oh, I'll check the thornless blackberries because they're a lovely addition. Mm. Mm. okay they're a bit behind yeah. this year because of the cold weather and um there's another berry growing in the row next to them i think it's a sylvan berry or a young berry i'm not sure i thought i'll test those to see if they're ripe just for eating not for um flower bunching and oh that berry was all right i'll have another one oh they're quite delicious i'll have another one um the third one i popped into my mouth i didn't see oh. <laughs> it had these green shield stink beetles Oh my god, that's awful! Yeah, it really was. Oh my god, it's Oh, that's horrific! Gagging and spitting. I spent five minutes in the paddock, just spitting out saliva and wiping my tongue on my jumper. Uh, you didn't have any students there with you, did you? No, they didn't get to see me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
my god wiped my tongue so much on my jumper that after you know five to ten minutes when <laughs> most of the stink had gone I'm like I can still I can still smell oh, it it's it's on your wiped jumper. The stink from my tongue onto <laughs> my jumper <laughs> But I tell you what, two hours later, the tip of my tongue was still sort of tingling like I'd eaten spicy food. Oh, cautionary yeah. tale, people. Cautionary tale. Check your check your berries before you pop them in your mouth. Um, and again, maybe find some sort of bug prevention so that you don't have green shield stink beetles on your early season oh, berries. Oh, well, you're fungus gnat thing we had um in my day job in an office we have a fungus gnat infestation in the office mm. so we had this nice idea that me and um the office manager there just i was like we should green this place up and she's like oh i'm on that and so she went out and bought all these lovely you know, indoor plants terrific um but we've bought these oh, I, don't, I don't know about this like i have a I have quite a lot of indoor plants here at home and I, I wouldn't, I can't say I've mastered it yet, the art of indoor planting. I love having them, but I feel like it's a bit of trial and error and I get on a good regime for a while and I feel like everything's going along fine and the smallest thing just tips the balance out and we've been using these um, indoor self-watering pots and they seem to be going quite well at work and this our um someone at work there has she's had a lot of success with them and i've always liked the look of them and she uses it at home great success but we're going to put all of them in these self-watering indoor um indoor pots but i don't know whether it's that because there's still water sitting around in the reservoir and uh it's just sort of fed this environment for these gnats and so i was sitting there at work on um on you know teams calls and things and we're constantly like <laughs> waving madly in front of our faces with all these gnats. So now we've got all these yellow sticky traps <laughs> everywhere. And someone at work yesterday <laughs> cracked it because she got one stuck to her jacket and couldn't get it off. And then she got it, the sticky stuff stuck to her hand. She couldn't wash it off and <laughs> everything got stuck to her. So um, I think it's still largely worth it, you know, to have the greenery there going. You, and- you can get... Um- uh, a product called fang- fungus gnat barrier and you I think you can get it from hardware stores um it might be sort of akin to um kitty litter uh, oh it's like diatomaceous earth kind of yeah stuff that I you put the, on top yeah I, I think it's like that but the um it's I think it's to put a barrier between the juveniles and the adults so that they can't uh, the adults can't lay their eggs into your potting mix and the juveniles can't come up to pupate to turn into adults. Gee, when um, you say it like that, it sounds horribly cruel, doesn't it? <laughs> look, it does, but um, um, considering what I've done to some other pests in the garden. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. That's all right. Um, I'm with you on this. <laughs> look, and, and often I'll just get beetles in to do my dirty work so that yeah. I can't see the death and carnage. It's happening <laughs> fair enough <laughs> hey um i went out and about last week for mm-hmm. uh, australian horticultural mm-hmm. trials week hear uh, about this i've been seeing some photos yes. yes oh gosh it was delightful i went to bowl australia they're always on my um must visit list um so uh australian horticultural trials week it's where um, particularly in Victoria, I think, a lot of wholesale nurseries, 
open up to um, other growers and buyers. So generally their, their wholesale nurseries opening up to retail um, people um, <clears throat> and they're showing their products, what they grow, how they grow it, um, what's new, what might be coming out soon. So yeah, Ball Australia is always on my number one to visit. Um, and normally, I, I, normally that would then send my Instagram feed into a flower photo frenzy. <laughs> um, but when I look back over it this year, geez, I've gone a lot of foliage. There's there um, a lot of foliage, some very interesting foliage. I had some fantastic stuff. There was, I, I don't know if I told you this, I um, have long had a, uh, an aversion to variegated foliage and look, I haven't been mad variegation on there's variegation and there's variegation. But then having a look through uh, your feed, I was like, ooh, I like that. And I wrestled with myself, I must tell you, because it, it was a variegated leaf, but thought, oh, my, it was pretty. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things about horticulture and plants that I like to challenge myself with is the gross mindset. Ooh, um, yes. I, I, well, and look, that comes with do I like this plant or not and why? And, gosh, I've not liked variegation for a long time. Um, but my friend Emily, she, uh, she loves a little bit of horticulture and, gosh, she's got a good eye for a quality variegated leaf and she's run me through what she thinks are the pros and cons of it oh okay um, but what I've noticed for myself is I I tend to like a um a whiter variegation than a yellow Mm -hmm. Mm. have you ever contemplated the merits of the white versus the yellow I haven't but now you know after this I'm going to go back through the Instagram feed and I am going to (laughs) notice what you like yeah yeah yes right there all right so what are some of your your highlights what are some of your top ones that you oh Gosh, that would require me to put together a plant list. I didn't do that. Oh, no, you didn't give me a plant list, but what was something that struck you that you particularly liked or something new coming out that you're like, oh, got to get one of those, need one of those? Oh, I well, know you love a begonia. Oh, gosh, I love a begonia rex, don't I? <laughs> yeah. um, begonia. <laughs> oh, I do love a begonia rex. <laughs> Mavis. <laughs> fabulous creatures for like leaf interest but then um, I use them at school because they are so wonderful to propagate in Ah, terms of um, leaf cuttings and leaf segments and my teenage students gosh they go wild for for seeing them grow like it's Mm. it's this thing of like oh yeah I'm chopping up a leaf whatever and then a few weeks later when they see them grow um just to see the teenagers reactions to their their segment of leaf is growing a whole new plant it's such a rewarding little oh it's a special it is special it's a bloody giver of a plant Um, uh, look, oh, they've got a nice fern range, but um, uh, I don't have many ferns. I must have, you know, I don't think I can give them the time that they need. Oh, maybe on my house. Up. Yeah. Um, the other place that I went um, of, of note was um, uh, Fleming's Nursery had their first ever um, educational innovation. Oh, for- well, now you're just name dropping. Aren't I? <laughs> um, that was interesting. That was um, if Fleming's trying to engage with the education sector to um, maybe promote horticultural jobs to the youth of Australia. Mm. Um, and that was that was another place where I was, I was like um, thinking about growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I have preconceived ideas about variegation and horticultural establishments. Mm-hmm. And um, nice to go and challenge one's brain about 
So it sounds like you were pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah, look, I was, uh, one of the things about educating the youth of Australia is one of my roles is to advocate for them. Sometimes I take that too seriously and um, I love to advocate the shit out of it. Um, <laughs> Am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Hey, this is our podcast. <laughs> it may only be our family listening to this. Good point. What's <laughs> where you bottom off? <laughs> um, well, let me rephrase. Um, gosh, I, I really like to advocate for the youth. Um, <laughs> so, I, like, I, I want to know about workplace culture. That's one of my big things for the youth of Australia. I want to know if um, if they're going into a workplace, what the culture's like, um, because I'm finding that um, most of them could pick and choose uh, from three apprenticeship offers at the moment. There's there's that much call in the industry for apprentices. And is that um, just post-COVID? Yeah, post-COVID. So yeah. I think it's sort of been building up for years in terms of uh, young people choosing horticulture as an industry to go into and maybe, maybe the numbers are dropping off there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, throughout the Dandenong Ranges, a lot of it was powered by or sort of staffed by backpackers um, mm. and that dropped off yeah. almost completely yeah. through COVID. Um, so a lot of the local workforces are really depleted and it's it's probably mm. the same through the agriculture and horticulture sector right through Australia. But, um, uh, you know, there's signs up everywhere for, you know, positions vacant vacant mm-hmm. so I thought oh, I'd be interesting to go and see what Fleming's has to say and their perspective on it um but I suppose I'm in a unique position in terms of I work for a school um as well as their their, their own registered training organization so we're sort of like a school TAFE hybrid and our students go out and do work placement so I, I get to hear all these stories of their experience in the industry mm. locally and um I'm not sure that my industry is Oh, embracing change and new ideas about how do we hire people, how do we attract people and how do we retain them? And what have we got to offer apart from, oh, it's really great, it's outdoors and it's really physical and you will love it. Um, I think there's more to it than that. And so, yeah, interesting to go and hear from Flemings and I do like to ask a question or two. No, that doesn't sound like you at all. I know. (laughs) really great in in terms of explaining their their workplace culture I was really um happy with their response to that about who they who they try and hire mm-hmm. and in their words are you ready I'm going to swear again no go ahead they have a no dickheads policy mm, um, so do I yes but you're mm. not a whole great big nursery no I'm not <laughs> <laughs> but one day when you are yeah. and that policy is there <laughs> Um, so yeah, they, it was it was interesting. It was good, and I, I like to know how they're going to give feedback to the youth as well. So mm. that gave me some great examples of that. So I was, I was quite happy. But I think um, understanding that for most of my students, they'll give it one shot. Two goes maximum in our industry before they go. Actually, I'm just going to get a job at Big W or Macca's. Mm, yeah. Okay. So like as an industry, if, if if horticulture doesn't get this right, and quite often they don't because they've still I think got expectations about the youth should be grateful for the job opportunity. Yeah, and I got the sense that the youth uh, are not because they've, you know, the youth today know their rights. And they also, what? They also Would you... can take it, they can pick and choose now. Well, they really can at the moment and, and, and so can adults in the horticulture industry. But I also think, well, why 
why shouldn't they? Like, why mm. put up with what I think you and I, Erin, have put up with some things in the workplace in our time. Yeah, that's right. And I've got, and I don't want my kids to have to put up with that in yeah. the future. Yeah. When when they're out there doing that. So yeah, I think that's fair enough. But yeah, you're right. It's you know, I guess people of our generation and older who are having to work out, gee, we're gonna want to employ people, we're gonna have to make some changes here. And and some of that may be around. Um, flexible working hours. I think that's a big one across most industries. Um, I, I heard the head of HR from Jayco Caravans on the radio mm-hmm. during the week talking about they've gone from post-COVID not being able to find people to fill uh, full-time positions. So for the first time ever, they've looked at part-time job sharing and hours that are more flexible. So it might suit someone who has children mm-hmm. at school. So you might work from nine till three. And what a big shift that was for the company. However, they're reaping the rewards of that. And so I think somewhere like Fleming's, they've still just mm-hmm. got this one idea of you start at 7.30, you work till four, but there's a lot of scope within the working day to hire fantastic people. So, yeah, interesting to see how the horticulture industry grapples with this because there are shortages everywhere. Mm, And I think another part of it is facilities. So, you know, when I got into horticulture in the late 90s, it was sort of acceptable that, you know, maybe there's a drop toilet at the place that you work. (laughs) Maybe you're going to be sexually harassed in the workplace frequently. Um, Gosh. But these days, you know, the youth, they have different expectations. <laughs> I'm going to go to work. I'm going to be safe and I'm going to have sanitation. Sanitation, you say? What if you've just gone through a pandemic or something? Yeah, safety and sanitation. God, my words. My students are telling me about so work fussy. <laughs> my students was telling me, and she wasn't complaining. She, I was just interested. Oh, how did your first day of work placement go? Tell me all about it. Because I'm genuinely interested. Um, I want to know about it all. Her legs were sore. She was standing all day. And I went, oh, oh yeah, look, it can be hard when you first start work, can't it? And she said, oh, well, because we didn't get to sit down for breaks. There was nowhere to sit. I'm like, what do you mean there was nowhere to sit? And she said, oh, we we went to their other property. And um, the, oh, they bought us out a marquee at one stage because it looked like it was going to rain. And I'm like, like, tea room? Was there a tea room? Oh, no, no. I'm like, was there a toilet? And she's oh, yeah, there was um like a portaloo, but the the other ladies told me not to use it because it wasn't working um well. Oh my god! Oh, but where did everyone else sit? Oh, well, on their breaks they sat in their cars. Okay, so um, so we're talking small steps, not giant strides at this point. <laughs> no working toilet, nowhere to sit. It's actually pretty common, and this is one of the things that I really struggle with. That I want my industry to get its head around is. You've, you've had a couple of good years now. Most nurseries made a fair bit of cash during the pandemic because people weren't going overseas. They were staying home and working from home. I've just done what, what do we call these, finger finger air quotes? <laughs> and bunnies, oh, yeah. Working yeah. from home. They were gardening. And they pumped a lot of money into their gardens. And a lot of the horticulture industry did very well out of this and I don't begrudge them that for a moment. I think it was a great thing for them. But some of that money maybe needs to be invested into Put a toilet. Get a toilet. Folding chairs. Folding chair. <laughs> a water tank with a tap on it and a bar of soap strapped to it. <laughs> is that too much to ask, Erin? No, I don't think it is, Jane. Mm. <laughs> Well, it sounds like they, that there are some, at least if maybe if some of the bigger players start, I guess it's harder for the smaller ones who, you know, maybe don't have the resources or maybe the 
the access to the bigger players in the industry to actually shift. But surely if more of the bigger players are shifting, they'll have to because they just won't be able to attract people. Look, I, I think someone like Flemings, I'd be very inter- interested to see their toilet set up. Um, oh, like, well, I think next time you go, we need a toilet report. I know. They did point out, like, you know, the housekeeping at the start of the oh, yeah. um, seminar, if you need the toilet, they're there. But I felt that I'd asked them a fair few questions <laughs> and that... I didn't want to necessarily, for their sake, publicly quiz them about their toilet setup. But what I suspect, and look, happy to be proved wrong, I suspect they are proponents of the portaloo in a paddock. Ah, yeah. But then, so there's portaloos and there's portaloos, Erin. Like last year during the pandemic, I was forced to use a portaloo at Ball Australia when I went for trials week. But yeah. gosh, they were clean. Yeah, and that's what you want. And you're right, there are there are plenty of places who do portaloos well, real fine. Let's list them. Paddy. Let's list them. <laughs> let's um, let's start listing the best toilets that we come across in the industry. Let's do this. I think I could do that. Right. I, I went to an open garden recently and they had a very fancy portaloo. Did they? Yes. It was what constitutes um, a fancy portaloo. I think it had cladding. Like it didn't, it, you know, didn't look like um, you know, like a builder's portaloo. It looked a bit prettier. And um there was a uh, fancy soap. Oh, fancy there. soap. Fancy soap to wash your hands. And uh and there was it was paper towel, but it was quilted paper towel. <laughs> the little things isn't it there's the little things so you know and, and it was clean i think that was the main thing i mean oh, i don't mind i can have a builder's one as long as it's um yeah they're, they're, i'm not don't have like soaked toilet paper sticking to my feet you know on the ground and i'm not quite sure what it's soaked in and you know <laughs> i'll tell you what it's soaked with you know i work with teenagers <laughs> So, you know, just clean the look. That goes a long way. Well, you and you and I have been to workshops at um, Gather Flower Farm and they have a composting mm. toilet and I've always found that very pleasant to use. <laughs> well, I didn't use that um, oh, did toilet and I feel that I should have because mm. I'm, you know, we've been talking about a composting toilet here for, you know, future workshops and that sort of thing. And I think I need to take Tom to visit a few places with, uh, to have positive experiences with a composting toilet <laughs> because I think his view is probably, <laughs> I think we're, de- we're deviating off the horticulture. No, but- because I-, I think what we're going to find is I will always come back to, in horticulture, I will, and any other topic as well, I will always bring us back to toilet humour and toilet facilities. We will always be talking about poo. Well, I I think that, yeah, I I need to give Tom some more positive poo experiences because I think his view of the composting toilet is maybe of some of those older generation ones that was just, it is just stinky and it's disgusting. Well, like you went to some sort of music festival and they had um, composting toilets. Yeah, probably just camping. I don't know if it was a big music festival goer, but probably camping. I'm having and, visuals, Erin, uh, <laughs> outside the toilet. Talk, how are you going in there, love? How's your experience, love? How are you feeling about it? <laughs> I'm afraid it on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> going for you, love? Is it clean enough? <laughs> so, yeah, I've tried to explain that it, um, you know, they, they can be quite you know, innocuous, quite pleasant. Although he's seen that whenever it's just anything new, is always, what's the maintenance input on this thing? <laughs> and well, I don't really know. Well, look, 
composts, right? Um, but if, you know, if he's going to do maintenance on it, all I'm hearing is other people's poo. Mm. You know, I don't want to get out my garden hoe and have to shift the mound because the thing about poo is it drops down, like in a composting toilet sense, mm. it drops down in the one spot. So what you get is a poo pyramid. Oh, my God. You're not selling this to me. <laughs> I'm trying to sell it to you. You're going to try and sell it to your husband. Well, so this is not healthy. Like <laughs> and I used to work at a place. I used to work at a wholesale nursery that had one. And it was great until the power went out and the fan stopped working. You must have very good must air. Have must have a fan. You see, I I follow Charles Dowding. Do you follow Charles Dowding? Oh, should I? No, right. oh, you should. Yeah, yeah you know, right the grandfather day. of no-till uh, gardening, you know, the... Anyway, have a look at him on Instagram. But uh, good books too. And I did see something recently where he has composting toilets at his place and he just had a picture, which was a very pretty picture for compost, of this gorgeous compost, you know, lovely from the composting toilets. Now, it didn't look like poo. I mean, it, he assured us it didn't smell. We don't know because it's not a, um, a sensory experience in that in that way on Instagram. But he wouldn't lie to you. Well, hopefully not. I like to think that Charles wouldn't. I think he's like talking to my grandpa. He was not going to lie to me. But I just thought, oh, well, if he can work it out. But then again, I'm still trying to work out his, you know, simple, you know, layer system for the beds that exclude all weeds. And he hasn't had weeds here in all the years he's been growing it. I don't know. Does, is it just that in England they don't have the weeds we have? <laughs> oh, well, he may not be in the same sort of rural area as you where weeds are blowing in from every direction at your mm. place. Yeah, let's say that's what it is. I think maybe he he and his team have spent a lot more time on their garden than perhaps yeah. I have the time <laughs> on mine. I've spent so many hours weeding lately. Oh, my God, it's embarrassing. I've got people coming here on Sunday, but 20 people coming for lunch. And I've now, even after getting up at 5.30 to start weeding every morning before work for a few hours, I've actually given up my ambition of having a weed-free garden to, for people to stroll through. Could it's you hand them blinkers happen. at the front gate? Like pop, pop I'm those just, on? I'm just going to give them a lot of wine. Yes. <laughs> well, that's actually cheap because, I mean, if you were going to have to make blinkers or buy blinkers, like sourcing those from, you know, it's probably is cheaper just to start them at the gate. Don't let them in until they've had their first drink. Yeah, that's right. Just meet them at the gate. Here's a bottle of bubbly. Everyone, let's wander up to the garden together and, and just talk them through it. And they'll be like, gosh, that Erin, she's so hospitable. So hospitable. Her, her waist-high weeds. She throws a good party. Oh, my God, is that a snake I just stepped on in the wheel? Well, have had our first two brown snakes already this oh, yeah. season. Yeah. So yes. one, and it was an accident. We don't like to um, don't like to exterminate them. It? Tom mowed it. I'll, I'll it. say it wasn't me. Tom mowed it. It was a two-metre brown and it was very thick. Uh, so it was well-fed, but they're a bit slow at this at the start of the season when they're waking up. So, uh, yeah, got it. usually they're, they're gone. You know, they, you see them run out when you're mowing. Uh, they run. Out. They run. They wriggle. But, yeah, this one copped the mower. And then I saw, uh, I think it was a copperhead on the road going across the other side of the road. But there, there'll be more out there. I've got the top of the orchard paddock where I've got all my banksias and leucodendrons. That's where the snakes live and the weeds are so high. I've got to go over there with the whippersnipper. Tom said to me, that's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> he just said, big boots, you know. Big boots, you'll be right, love. <laughs> Lead with the uh, the power tool first. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. 
Big boots. Yeah. Oh, did you go and buy yourself some of those fancy bandages for snake bites? Uh, I've got I've got two in the bathroom cupboard. Yeah. Um. So I should probably uh, maybe take one out with take you one with you me. Should, if you get bitten, you shouldn't be walking. No. Well, that's why I bring a phone out with me Good. when I'm out in the paddock, so that I can uh, call the house to say, <laughs> "Come and get me." <laughs> snake hanging <laughs> off my boot yeah so i think uh i guess we'll wait and see the thing is i do think we're going to have a lot of snakes this year because we have a lot of frogs so and we know how much they love eating frogs so so many frogs i guess because it's been so wet mm. and in our greenhouse we've got we've got, given him a name now he's practically a pet frog his name's hernandez <laughs> and hernandez he's very sweet um he's sort of gray with these little brown black spots all over him and he lives in um, the spinach pot and he sits in a spinach leaf and he wraps the leaf around him. I love that you're <laughs> demonstrating this for me. Thank you. Yes. And he wraps it around him. <laughs> so you, to try to get a photo, you've got to sort of peel back a leaf and take a photo. <laughs> and I guess because it's so wet in there because we've got the we've got a bit of misting system happening, not foolproof yet. We're still working on the uh, all the timing and that with that. But it's just, you know, consistently humid and damp. But it did lead me to think if we're, Hernandez is going to tell all his mates to come in and bring his family in, don't want to find snakes in the greenhouse. I don't know what to do about that. I don't know if there's anything I can do with it. Put a sign up. Snakes are not allowed. No snakes allowed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, hey, I forgot to tell you one of my, I'm just looking at at my notes here on my list. I forgot Mm -hmm. to tell you one of the the coolest things about the Fleming Nursery. What I learned was because they do a big range of natives and. um, I didn't know Flemings did natives. I think. They do a bit of everything these days. Yeah. They've actually okay. got um, they've got quite a few businesses within their business. So they've they've got a full landscaping division. They've got landscape designers. Um, so they have their own the bare root section where they sell deciduous dormant plants in winter. They've got a whole potted section. They bought a, a nursery in Queensland where they grow things that need a warmer climate. And within that, there's um, a whole tissue culture section. Mm. And they're growing um, native plants, um, so flowering gums from tissue culture. Which Does that take a long time? Yes. But they, they're saying that it's a superior way to grow them than grafting because if you if you buy a flowering gum, generally they're grafted so that you know what colour you're getting. But they do this thing, it's um, called latent incompatibility where, say, 15, 20 years um, after you bought your tree, it might fail at the graft union, whereas um, with tissue culture, they get a consistent product every single time. So they know what they're getting um, in terms of we mm. know that this is this flowering plant and it grows in this way. So and- hang on, just so I'm clear yeah. on this because I don't have your background. So the grafted plants, they might fail at this graft union because yeah. there is like a physical cut attached to this thing yeah. that, and after some time that could be where yeah. disease or whatever you're getting. The tissue culture, there is no graft unit because there is no like rootstock or something yeah. you've grafted on. It's just yeah. the one plant. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it was fascinating. And it's it's interesting that they're doing tissue culture in Australia because I assumed that most places doing tissue culture were bringing it in from overseas. So um, it's really difficult to get new plant material into Australia. Um, you can't bring pot plants in. One of the few ways that you can get plant, like live plant material into the country as opposed to bringing in seed you can you can bring in seed in in packets depending on what the plant is as to whether it'll get held up at quarantine or not or whether it's allowed into the country or not but um 
you can bring live plant material into the country through tissue culture. Um, when you say you, you still need like some license that so you've got to be. Oh, yeah. uh, Look, yeah. you wouldn't do it as a small scale thing. Yeah. So it's, it's generally the larger nurseries that have buying power to bring in tissue culture and also the facilities to uh, what they call deflasking, where it comes out of. So it's essentially it's these little green plants that come in what look like a takeaway food container and they have to come out of that. There's multiple plants in your little takeaway food container growing in mm-hmm. agar gel and so agar gel is made from seaweed yeah. and it's um they add hormones and nutrients to it to get the plants to um to grow and yeah fascinating stuff so a lot of it's done overseas just in terms of the labor costs so ah, okay. um, yep. there's a lot of very big horticultural companies in the netherlands but they don't do their own tissue culture they'll be selling the new plants into places like Australia, but that tissue culture might be done in places like Vietnam. And um, so, yeah, I was pretty interested to see like growing natives in tissue culture and having that done in Australia. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. The plant nerd got very excited. Plant nerd got excited. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, tissue culture, you say? (laughs) Agar gel, you say? I have seen when I've gone to, yeah, look at the ball, I'll be just ordering plugs or something. I was looking at their seed and I was looking at plugs and that. And I do get very confused about some of their ordering when some things, you know, say tissue culture. And I'm like, I don't know, what's it got to do with where I'm ordering at the end? Do I... I don't know. I mean, I kind of academically sort of grasp the whole tissue culture thing, but yeah, anyway, maybe that's a discussion I need to have with your friend Emily about. <laughs> so when I'm going to order something, I need you to talk me through this. Talk me through this on my hand and talk to me about this. Yes. Because it's... That's what I make her do for me, just as we walk around <laughs> gardens. Can you can you just hold my hand and talk me through this again? And can you write that down for me? Because I'm uh, five minutes later, I'm not going to remember what you said. <laughs> Uh, well, I went to a couple of um, uh, very nice open gardens recently. So um, I think it's a nice thing is that now this season seems to be the first time in a couple of years we've got a whole lot of open gardens opening again for us to go and visit. So I did go to uh, Musk Farm. Have you been different that one? It's out. So you get on the uh, the railway at Dalesford and just you go on that for like 15 minutes and go out to Musk. It's sort of between between like Lionville and Dalesford. That's very nice. It's been around obviously for a long time and I hadn't been there before. Oh, very lovely. Just so pretty. And, you know, my highlights. My highlights. Um, There was this lovely little um, entranceway where you go off into a little woodland and so you go, I do like, even though I have none of it here, I do like a nice formal garden that's well manicured and laid out and that had these, these high green manicured hedges, a little bit of topiary and a kind of water rill running through there. That's oh, very pleasing. Very I do pleasing. like a bit of, very pleasing, I like a bit of symmetry very, there. Gosh, it was very pleasing. And my son is very keen on it. Uh, on a manicured garden like that. I think he was born to have servants or something because I've told him unless he's going to get out there with the shears, well, that's never happening here. Do you know so what he needs? What's he need? You know what we need? We need to be sponsored by Still and then we get your son out on yes. the Still battery-powered hedge trimmer. Oh, and he could come back and he could report on that. We've just oh. got him this last week, um, trained him up on the ride-on bower. Great. Oh, it's a whole it's a whole new way of life. It's just opened up for him. And I, I'm loving this because it's less time I've got to be mowing. And, you know, wants to use a power tool. And he's out there now. What do you mean? I can just ride on this thing. Well, I've got a vehicle now that I can get around. He's, he's loving that. So the next thing is going to be the line trimmer. Get him on that. So, uh, yeah, still a listening. 
We had um, <laughs> we all over that. Look, I, look, I'm taking exception to your boy and your vehicle and your mowing comment here. Who <laughs> loves a ride of mower? And one of one of my only reservations in moving house from <laughs> um, where we were renting on ten acres to our suburban block was. <laughs> I'm not going to need my rod on mower. I'm going to have to sell it, aren't I? And that was mm. that was the only thing that was holding me back from moving. I do look. I, I do prefer that than the push mower, definitely. <laughs> and I know. I don't, look. It is quite satisfying, but there's other, there's other gardening jobs I'd rather get on. I had so yeah. My daughter's pretty keen on that, although she's pretty keen on a motorbike. Mm. Yeah, she'd like one of those little mini bikes to get around on. So uh, and I thought oh, that'd be a good Christmas present. I looked up how expensive they were. I went, yeah, no, you can just get trained up on um, the ride on mower. You ride the ride on mower as well. Yeah, but um, she's a bit more keen on the tractor. Oh, yes. Yeah, well, that's all right. They can both get them on there. I took my sister lime trimmer shopping on the weekend. Oh, um, she's getting a lime trimmer for her place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, don't get. All right, does something, can I just give you my own person? I have three now yeah oh yes and don't slag off any brands i'm not saying off i'm not saying off any brands i'm just saying in terms of features so i got one that i thought would be perfect for me because it's lighter weight and it's a battery operated one and that's not so bad and i've even got two batteries now so i can have one charging and i could you know because i probably get about 40 minutes going out of the but the re-threading on this thing. Oh, my God. It is oh the God. most frustrating thing. Do you not have the bump feed head? No, I've got, uh, it's got like a bump head, but then when I'm out of line, which I go through the line pretty quickly here because of all the stuff I hit, to try to, it is it is so ridiculously hard. I have no idea what kind of engineer designed this, but it was a stupid one because to try to undo it and then, get it wound up again it it takes me like i kid you not it would take me at least an hour to try to do it so can i can i just check with you i've youtubed this i've yes. youtubed and youtubed yes tom does it yes i've taken it back to the store and they said yeah it's, those ones are just annoying they're just so, so what i want mm-hmm. when i'm buying a line trimmer or using one because I have almost gone homicidal over a poorly designed mm. line trimmer head and the re-threading of it. I have mm. I have almost been homicidal because they, they can do that to you. So bump feed head where like you line it up, the two holes are in line, you thread your three or four metres through, you get them at an even length and you just rotate the head and go click, click, click and it winds it in. That's not what's happening well, for you? no. See, my, my other two do that. This one, um, it keeps getting stuck underneath and you've got to undo the whole thing and that's almost impossible no and it doesn't have that same my my other two are petrol powered yeah and they're a bit bigger um and you just you line those up and you do it just the way you explained it but this one's super fiddly it it needs to go yeah which is a shame because in all other respects it works quite well it's just this feed and I we actually just went down to the shop and I said to them can I like can I just change the head on it like is there some other option of doing that and they just said nah 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 that's a lovely country explanation nah nah um she's effed so she's yeah was she always effed like was it is it the design or I think I think it's the design Mm. Uh, I think it's quite yeah it's just bad design and so she's currently been sitting in the garage just sort of hanging up there for some time now because it's got to a point where I can't I can't even get it 
out anymore and I don't even want to look at it. So one of the bigger petrol-powered ones, like I have to put the whole harness on to be able to, you know, it's quite a heavy one uh, to carry it around. But what I was thinking, what I can change mine over to is having um, blades instead of the line on it. And I was thinking, oh, maybe that's the way to go. It is, as long as you don't hit any rock. You tend to have a bit of rock at your house. I've got a lot of rock, a lot of rock. So I'm thinking... Like I might just give up on this lime trimmer. Yeah, and just Life's use the too other short, Erin. Yeah, it is. Life is too short to be spending this time being frustrated mm. by these sorts of things. Anyway, yeah. we'll we'll talk tools in another episode. Let's. We'll talk tools. Let's talk tools in another one. Mm. Um, well, good. gosh, we've talked for a bit about horticulture, the world. This and- is what happens. We get together and talk about gardens, and uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> it goes on quite a bit. Um, so, all right, what are, what are you doing in the garden this week, garden-related stuff? Oh, week? well, I'm looking forward to tomorrow morning. I'm on a big flower pick for work-designated flowers, um, self-appointed. Oh, do we? did you want a flower arrangement for that? You've got an event. Oh, what's that? <laughs> um, someone from work is hosting our work Christmas lunch. Should, should I do flowers for that? <laughs> and um, I look them very strongly in the eye, and which as I'm doing to you now, and you can't get via the recording. No one, no one said no to me yet and that's the right thing for them to do um <laughs> just keep agreeing with me when i go i'll do flowers yes yes do flowers <laughs> oh and i'm i've got more dahlia seedlings on the verge of flowering oh exciting very excited about that and then oh i'm actually on school holidays after tomorrow oh shut up hey anytime you want to come and teach the teenagers you just let me know okay? yeah consider it at the moment <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, um, I'm hoping next week, next week's my um, last week at work before a break for a couple of weeks. Uh, so I'm, I need to start sowing more like summer, the late summer, autumn stuff. Like what? I'm sowing cosmos, uh, lots of cosmos, start on the sunflowers. I have finally planted all my dahlias. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all sprouting they're actually sprouting really quickly which is great um, and I've got I'm going to do another sow of Queen Anne's Lace and I'm thinking because this weather is so crazy I'm just going to start sowing more delphiniums and lupins and olea and I'll just put them in even that some of this stuff that I would normally not sow for a couple of months I think what a feeling summer might just you know be a little blip I'm just going to go straight into autumn so I'm just going to start sowing some of the stuff that would normally grow up in autumn so are you telling me that I could sow cosmos well I'm sowing cosmos I don't, I, do you know I've never grown them before how are you kidding I have got this pile of different I have got a bit obsessed with Ooh, that's an unusual variety oh that looks so pretty I'm going to do that and what last year I just yeah I've got some pretty cupcake ones last mm. year I just threw a few packets down when I say I direct so that that would that's a very um fancy way of saying I just dump some seed in the ground <laughs> and honestly they grew up about six foot high and I was repeat picking for two months wow so I'm going to I'm going to still do that with some of mine but then some of the fancier varieties that were a bit more expensive I'm going to sow into um, trays in the greenhouse and look after them a bit more and then put them out so that they don't get washed out or eaten out by birds or something. So, uh, yeah, and then I just, you know, I want to collect a bit more seed. But the other thing I must, 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 must start um, sowing from seed are my brassicas. Mm. It's taken me quite a while uh, since moving out here to get the, the timing right with brassicas because I think what I've been doing, I just keep sowing them too late. Mm. And then the same thing frequently. Yeah. Don't have enough time mm. to 
form properly. So I figure I need to have them, need to sew them now so that then by February they're getting to a decent size. You know, they get at least six weeks of warmish weather to really grow up before all the cold hits. Have you grown Romanesco broccoli? Not successfully. I have, and I got about this much from it. Oh, it's a small amount for that's people a, not watching us. It's <laughs> a, a small fistful. I um I grew some in the greenhouse at work, and they got massacred by cabbage white butterflies. Mm. And because sometimes I can't actually admit that that's what's happened, I just left them in pots in the greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I left them there for a year. Should have thrown them yeah. out, but I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to do it. <laughs> Yeah, I actually got a small fistful of hmm. florets off them. Florets, so what we call them? Yeah, I guess they are florets, technically. Gosh darn, they were tasty. Mm. The husband commented on them. He's mm. like, "Where are these from, love?" And um, <laughs> I don't think he'd love, but he, he did notice that they were a very tasty piece of broccoli. Mm. Let me recommend them to you. All right, do that. I was just ordering some more seed from Diggers this morning. Just Tom was getting, uh, getting more lettuces or something. I said, all the brassicas, all the brassicas, please. Mm. Um, and I have done uh, Brussels sprouts successfully before, mm. uh, but back when I was in Melbourne. So might try them this year. Uh, we've got the broad beans are going gangbusters. Yep. Corn has taken off now that the frosts have gone. So we'll see how that goes. So that's this week. Excellent. Well, um, let's catch up soon. Yeah, maybe next week. Same yes. time, same channel. We'll... Uh, We'll talk about that next week. I'll let you know how my brassica sewing's gone. I'll let you know whether I've eaten any more stink beetles. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> if, if only they had like hallucinogenic properties, you know, like we talk about with cane toad. I think the cane toad, man, and I went places. But like I went, mate, I went places this afternoon. It <laughs> was nowhere good. Uh, you see, this is the other side of the whole hipster foraging movement. <laughs> Watch out for the stink beetles. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, see you right. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Just a note on our very catchy garden hose tunes. We have our original music composed and produced by Martini Toothpick. Martini Toothpick are Dan Zielinski and Mika Coleman. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we reside and recognise their continuing connection to lands, waters and communities and recognise that their wisdom and knowledge has been passed on for thousands of years.